Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip in the aftermath of Junior Eurovision 2020. That's right, it was an incredible show in Warsaw. We know, of course, now that France are the winners. Me and you are already looking forward to a road trip to Paris, maybe, for JESC 2021. I've sprung that on you, and at no point have we discussed those travel arrangements before this podcast. You've not said no straight away. No, I haven't. Let's just make it happen. Let's put it in the diaries now, and there's no escape from it. At least, at least, Rob, it's not Belarus again. It's not Belarus again, me, you, and maybe a steak haché. I've got no idea what that is, but I'm going to say yes. This is the Eurotrip. Let the dance macabre begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what I say. What I say. This is the Euro Trip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob, me, James, and this week, Rasmussen. That's right, the Danish entry from 2018 and, in my opinion, the man with the best Eurovision beard of all time, Rasmussen, will be joining us this week on the Eurotrip. Now that is one hell of an honour that you have thrown Rasmussen's way because there have been a lot of bearded figures in Eurovision past. Conchita, if you're listening, is going to be absolutely livid at that. There's no way you can look at Rasmussen and look at Conchita and say, Conchita, you've got a better beard. Because we all know that big, bushy, ginger beard. We're all envious, Ron. We're all envious. But enough about the beard, because he will be on the podcast this week chatting about all sorts. All about his performance in Lisbon two years ago and all about that epic staging of his. You can't hide from this, uh, that it's a very epic and dramatic song uh, and it ne- needs some dramatic staging. Uh, and so it's totally on purpose that, it, that we made this mashup between Vikings, Game of Thrones and Pirates of the Caribbean. We mentioned, of course, at the very, very start of this episode, we are speaking in the aftermath of Junior Eurovision, where France took their first Junior Eurovision win. So we'll be reacting to that later on as well. Reacting to that very shortly, in fact. Anthony Granger from Eurovoir will be joining us. We will have the one-second song. Rest assured, though, it is not a Junior Eurovision special. There are not two songs this week, but I've got a one-second song for James, and how are you feeling? As usual, I'm not looking forward to it. We've had a few successes in previous weeks, but after the Junior Eurovision special last week, my hopes are not high. Thankfully as well, the European quiz is back as well, so make sure you stay tuned for that too. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. 
Eurovision. We've got it covered. So that's right. This is episode 18 of the Eurotrip. Thank you very much for listening. If you have been here for all 18 episodes, thank you so very much. And don't forget, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Eurotrip Podcast. We are also on Instagram as well. And James, before we get to this week's news, where we will, of course, be reflecting on Sunday's Junior Eurovision, let us talk about something special we have coming up on Friday. On Friday this week, let's just get it out there. You're going to get a bonus episode of the Eurotrip. And I can hear you asking why. Well, because today is Wednesday, which means we are halfway through the very special Melfest announcements of the artists who are taking part in 2021. And we thought, well, if we release it on Wednesday, we don't know who they all are. So instead, you're going to get a bonus episode on Friday where we debrief and review all of the new names that are going to take part in 2021 with some special guests as well. So double trouble this week on the Eurotrip. We're not going to tell you who those guests are until you listen to the podcast, but it is very, 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 very worth your time. That's all we'll say. So uh, stay tuned to your podcast feeds for Friday's special episode, looking at that Melfest announcement. Talking of the Melfest announcement, the place to go for the reaction is Eurovoir.com, and the editor of Eurovoir, Antony Granger, joins us now at the time at which we would normally have the news in 90. Anthony, hello. Hi, thank you very much for having me back. I can't believe you've made it to episode 18 and you're still still letting me come back on, even if I do ramble every so often. Well, letting you come back on, me and James are still bickering, the sun still rises in the morning, everything is right with the world. Everything, yeah, everything is right with the world, apart from the fact it's 2020, but we'll move on from that. Hey, we're getting closer and closer to 2021 and so many exciting things are happening next year. We'll get to that in, in the next few weeks and months, but of course... The weekend just gone, we had Junior Eurovision 2020. It was a strange contest with recorded performances. Spain didn't wipe the floor with the competition as some expected. Poland couldn't make it three on the bounce, but it was France. It was Valentina with Jimagine who took the nation's first victory at a Eurovision singing competition for 43 years. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. You just heard the winning song there. And one thing I want to play to both you, James, and to you, Anthony, as well. Let's just have a listen to the reaction of the French commentators. Now, this was the moment on French TV when they realised they'd won Junior Eurovision. Okay, let's do it. France, you're received from online voting. Additional. Combien? And James, I think you're pretty proud of yourself this week too, aren't you? Of course I am. Of course I am. And the reason is because a good five or six weeks ago, on this very podcast here on the Eurotrip, I said this. Um, now then, I said we're going to chat about Junior Eurovision. Um, France, as uh, Nathan mentioned, have selected their song. And uh, let me just put it straight out there. There's your winner. Let's not even bother with a contest. That is the winning song for Junior Eurovision 2020. End scene. Anthony can't believe it. He's our very own Paul the Octopus. I'm just gobsmacked at the fact that for his first contest, he's called the winner that far in advance. I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if you can repeat that uh, next May. I will repeat it next May. Like Rob says, Paul the Octopus, I'll be there swimming in my little tank, gravitating <laughs> towards the winner of Eurovision 2021. I'm not going to tell you who it is now. That would just, uh, that would just spoil it. I'll, uh, I'll wait a few months. But uh, Anthony, we've rambled on enough. Give us your thoughts about the show that we saw on Sunday. What did you think about it overall? I think we saw a fantastic show for what was put together from the end of September when the EBU made the decision, everyone's going to remotely record their performance apart from the three that traveled to Warsaw. And I think it showed what May could look like. 
I was impressed by the level of the quality of the songs. I think the staging looked great. Yes, there was you could see the subtle differences between who'd recorded it at home and who'd recorded it in Warsaw. But overall, I think we got a really good two hours of entertainment that distracted us all from what's going on in the world. And at the end of the day, we got a fantastic winner. And I don't mind going to France next November. I'd quite like that. Can you imagine, as Eurovision fans here in the UK, if you'd said a few years ago, well, you have two chances to go to Eurovision next year. Obviously, you know, COVID safe, etc. Fingers crossed. You'll be able to go to the Netherlands or you'll be able to go to France. That doesn't sound like anything that was ever going to happen at uh, even just a few years ago. I think I would have said you'd been hit on the head by something because France and the Netherlands had a truly appalling record in Eurovision. Netherlands better in junior, but France wasn't even in it until three years ago. I, it's um, it's a massive turnaround for that broadcaster, and I uh, they've already said they are looking at hosting next year. So uh, let's wait and see what they've got in store. It's going to be really exciting to see what they do in 2021. Hopefully we get a full contest as we normally do. But looking back at Sunday... What were some of your standout moments? Because we've already mentioned the performances were pre-recorded. They were done, a lot of them, remotely. So looking at those 12 performances, we've had some newcomers with Germany as well. What was what were some of your standout moments from, from Sunday? I think if you're looking for a performance that had everything, Kazakhstan, including an avalanche, didn't see that one coming. They know how to stage the performance. I think we're, it's only a matter of time until they win the contest and get themselves invited into the adult contest. Um, I think if you're looking for a surprise, Poland coming ninth, I don't think anyone saw that coming. I, th- I think we all thought that they were going to absolutely walk the online vote. I don't know what happened there. Um, and then I think Germany, they didn't really know what they were getting themselves in for, I think is how to look at it. They had a teenager write their song compared to everyone else that had an adult write their song. It was a nice, solid performance, but I think we all knew that it wasn't going to do that great, but there was there was still that gap between them um, and 11th place. Hopefully, we'll see them again next year, but I think I think the 12 performances showed us all something very different, and it was a, it was an enjoyable evening. I think I have to agree, Anthony. I think the quality of the songs has been excellent, and I think, fingers crossed, that is something that is set to continue into, hopefully, France 2021. Who knows where we'll... Uh, find the contest being hosted next year but that's definitely one to look forward to right now though it is time for the one second song now last week because it was the junior eurovision song contest we had a junior eurovision special but we're back to normal this week so there are four points on offer you are looking for the artist the song title the country and the year and you have to guess the song what and you have to guess all of those things from the very first second of a Eurovision song. So, Anthony, for both you and the listeners at home, here's their first chance to hear this week's one-second song. I think I can give you three out of the four. I am struggling with remembering the name of the song, but I'm confident on three out of the four. It's a lot easier than the junior song that James gave you last week, I have to say, though. That was cruel. I think there's probably about 10 people in the world that still remember that song even exists, let alone the artist that performed it. That I, I was listening to it whilst I was doing some work and just going, what on earth could that even be? <laughs> but that said, you are more confident with this week's One Second Song. How confident? You, you sound confident. I'm now very confident because I've just remembered what the name of the song is. So I think I can get the full four points. Okay, will you pop that over to me in a message? We will find out at the end of this week's episode whether James, whether Anthony has got this week's one second song right and how many points they've got. But Anthony, as ever, before you leave, tell us where everybody can find wonderful coverage of both last weekend's Junior Eurovision Song Contest, this week's Melfest reaction. Where do they need to go? You can head over to Eurovoir.com. We'll be covering everything to do with the Eurovision Song Contest and the wraps-ups of the Junior Contest. Go follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, and like us on Facebook. Hi, my name is Rasmussen, and you're listening to Eurotrip. So that's right, this is the Eurotrip. We've just heard Anthony's guess for this week's One Second Song. We'll be hearing it again a little bit later, where I can have my guess. And I've not heard Anthony's response, but I'm going to guess I'm not going to have a clue, am I, Rob? I don't think you are. 
there's a very specific period of time where you have already said to us on previous episodes that you feel like you know Eurovision very well. Already going to give you a little clue <laughs> that it doesn't fit in that little window. Ah, so it's not from the last decade then. It's not. Is it from the last decade? I feel like I've already given too much away, but it's you already have. out of my mouth now. You have. Uh, I'm just going to. I'm just going to keep digging on this. Can I just ask more questions and then we'll get to it later on? I just tell you the answer, and then by the end you can just say, "Well, Rob, you might remember earlier on you told us <laughs> that song was." Yeah, can we just no. do a quick Eurovision guess who? <laughs> did, did, did he wear glasses? Do they wear glasses? No. Uh, I don't know why I said glasses in your accent. Then as well. Do they wear glasses? Uh, no, I don't think they do. And that's the final question you're guessing. But now it is time for the first part of this week's big interview. As ever, every week on the Eurotrip, we speak to a big name who is in some way related to the Eurovision Song Contest. And this week, it is another artist who we know and love. It is, of course, we've mentioned him earlier on, it's Rasmussen, the Danish entry from 2018, the man whose beard, Rob, I have touched. I want to know more about this because I've heard talk of this previously and all I hope, James, is that it was consensual. It was consensual, I I assure you. I asked for permission uh, because I had a bit of a bet with my brother. Uh, He said, I bet you can't touch Rasmussen's beard and I said, I bet you I can. What did you bet him? Callum, I bet you can't touch Michael Rice on the ankle. (laughs) It wasn't a two-way thing, it was just a one-way thing. He was convinced it wouldn't happen. But at the London Eurovision party in 2018, he was out there, outside, and uh, my brother said, 20 quid, mate, if you can do it. 20 quid. Which at London Eurovision party is, like, what, half a pint, really. It's not much. Half a gin, maybe. Half a gin. Um, So, you know, I got a quick photograph with him, had a little chat, and then said, uh, Rasmussen, is it it okay if I touch your beard? And he said, yes, of course. Which is my... He sounds like Dumbledore just because he's got a beard. Now, <laughs> um, and he said, "Yeah." He said, "Yeah, of course." So I, I just uh, gave it a give it a fondle, and uh, it felt nice, well conditioned, well groomed. We've got a sidetrack. Rasmussen is is very very exciting. I'm delighted he's on the podcast. And I listened to this interview myself when I was trying to liven up some mundane house tasks the other day. I was hanging out the washing, listening to Rasmussen, and I was out there for so long. My girlfriend said, "What are you doing out there?" And I said, "Well." I'm captivated by Rasmussen. Aren't we all? We're all captivated by Rasmussen. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Hope everybody at home listening as well is going to enjoy it because he was a thoroughly, thoroughly lovely man. Uh, I'll be honest, this interview is from a couple of months ago. I recorded it with him in about September. Um, but we've got so many other big guests to squeeze in here in the podcast. But we found a little place from. He's got some fantastic stories. We'll have part two from him a little bit later on. But in this first part, I started off by asking him if he knew exactly what he was getting himself in for. I had no idea what I, <laughs> what, <laughs> what I went in for. I, I, I slightly had an idea about the Danish Grand Prix because uh, a long time before, you know, you get the plan of how many wor- days up to and stuff like you're, you're working in. And uh, it's not that much, actually. It's on press and then the week of uh, up to the, the final. So... So um, I kind of expected what I what it was. Of course, you can't expect the big TV show and all the fans and and the big and the, and the big um, media um, uh, media eyes on it. But um, but um, I think I took it quite uh, quite easy there. And, and then but but the but the Eurovision adventure I wouldn't I didn't expect that at all <laughs> because it's. You you're you're um, you're in it from the from the day you win. Then there's the pre parties and all the different medias uh, that wanna wanna connect with you and uh, and uh, learn getting to uh, know you. And then the the whole Eurovision bubble you get to when you're in the specific country you're in uh, for for the for the uh, for the Eurovision Song Contest. Do you think you coped well with the with the adjustments? Because obviously you say you you were sort of living a an ordinary life, you know, uh, with the job you mentioned before, and then it sort of, I guess, does it just sort of change overnight? Did it just did the experience change you totally as a person um, from when you won uh, the national final? No, it didn't change me as a person at all. Um, I went in uh, as you said. I had an 
I wouldn't say ordinary life, but but of course uh, the fact that many people know you after that that was the different thing. But it it was only from the outside uh, that changed. I never changed as a person because, as I've said in in a lot of inter- uh, interviews, I uh, grow up. I grew up when I got my kids, mm. and I've got my base here, uh, and they are the most important things in my life. So, so, yeah, I just take this take everything that I experience as a as a part of my 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 um, journey uh, job wise and uh, experience wise and hobby hobby wise because I love singing but but I'm still uh, 80% no that's I'm 100% uh, dead but but that's always my first priority and my my biggest uh, where I want to be Let's talk about your experience in at Eurovision at the contest itself. Yeah, you got a good one, didn't you? You got Sunny Lisbon. What was your experience like in Portugal? Man, <laughs> I loved that city. <laughs> uh, definitely loved the city. It's so beautiful and um, and yeah, uh, as you said, uh, sunny, but not so sunny that uh, that me uh, uh, the 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 pale Dane from the north uh, gets burnt. <laughs> toasted in, <laughs> in the sun so it, it was actually it was uh, just the perfect uh, conditions uh, weather wise so um, uh, um, so so yeah uh, Lisbon is, is just such a beautiful city um, and it definitely won't be uh, the last time I, I visit there did you have many of the uh, the pastel donatas there the the custard tarts that they all actually, there? <laughs> actually uh, I didn't have as many as no? uh, as a lot of other people because <laughs> <laughs> that's the of course I ate my share uh, don't get me wrong uh, but that was the big you know dessert you, you need to try it but I already knew it from uh, that dessert I already knew that from um, when I went to shoot my postcard oh yeah so um so I get the first little taste of how Lisbon was both uh, uh, beautiful wise city wise uh, and also the food uh, there so um so I got my share of uh, of great uh, Portuguese tra- uh, traditional food yeah so that was the first part of this week's big interview with Rasmussen finishing off there by telling us about his experience in Portugal which uh, when I say Portugal sometimes I think I'm actually saying Paul Chuckle. I don't know if that works for you as well, does it, Rob? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, you're, Por- you're not. I mean, Portugal. I mean, any li- Portugal. Portugal. Port- yeah, I, yeah, I get it. I yeah. get it. It does sound does sound a bit similar. Um, for any of you listening not in the UK or familiar of United Kingdom children's <laughs> television programs, uh, Paul Chuckle, one half of a double act called the Chuckle Brothers with his real life brother. Barry, uh, rest in peace, Barry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're trivialising this, but let's not forget Paul Chuckle, uh, the man, not the country, took part in Eurojury this year. Yes, he did. Do we know who he gave his 12 points to? We do, yeah. We never actually published the, the breakdown of each juror, but I can tell you exclusively, uh, Eurotrip listeners, that his 12 points for Eurovision 2020 went to Armenia. Wow, I did not see that coming. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Paul Chuckle just sitting there and listening to the songs going, Ooh, Athena Manukian, chains on you. This is this is the one for me. <laughs> <laughs> He's there saying to Mrs. Chuckle, Oh, you should listen. Hey now, 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 listen to this. <laughs> I don't know what accent that was. Probably 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 ignore that again, shall we? <laughs> anyway, Rasmussen, lovely to hear from him. Don't forget there is another part of that interview still to come on this week's episode of the podcast. But you missed it last week. I know you did. It is now time for the return of the European quiz. December 1st is Unification Day in Romania, the day that Romania was unified with Transylvania in 1918. Here are three questions about the country that is the home of the world's heaviest building. As you can probably tell, that was one of the questions that didn't make the cut. Now, Romania... I am a little bit annoyed, actually, that you slipped that fact in and didn't save it for a question because I knew what the answer would have been for that if it was actually a question. Oh, really? Well, I mean, presumably, and I'm basing this not having been to Romania, aren't most of the buildings just made of concrete? I don't know. I'm really surprised you've not been to Romania. But uh, anyway, I think it's the, 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 the Parliament building. 
it's a bit of a bit of a bit of a machine that place. But uh, I see. Well, happy, happy, also happy Unification Day, Romania happy, for yesterday. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Did you uh, did you send a card? I sent I sent one to the to the embassy here in the UK, but uh, don't have to got yeah, it. I did a did a moon pig, uh, moon ah. pig card just just online. Um, it was a picture of me and you. Actually, I hope you didn't mind me, you, and I put dust in the turkey on it for some reason. <laughs> but I hope they enjoyed it. Anyway, shall we uh, shall we get to some of these questions? Here's uh, here's Sam with question number one on Romania. My mood this evening. Fist bump emoji, peace emoji, cool sunglasses emoji, keyboard emoji. That was one of Ovi Jakobsen's Facebook posts this week, last year. Which artist was he listening to? The clue is in the emojis. So do we think here that Sam is saying that Ovi was listening to a Eurovision artist? I'm not sure. He didn't specify it was Eurovision or not. And I'm not going to give away either way what I'm thinking, but... I know Sam's a well-connected man, but you're telling me that he's friends with Ovi Jakobsen on, on Facebook. He's friends with everybody. Honestly, that man is friends with everybody. Isn't there a, a story about Sam managing an artist who entered the Moldova national selection at some point? Oh, anyway, it's, it's far too long to get into for this podcast. And these podcasts are getting longer and longer every week anyway, so we very much don't have time for that. I'm going to say, and I'm basing this purely on the sunglasses emoji and nothing else, I think he was listening to the Sunstroke Project. Oh, that's a good answer. I didn't think that's what you were going to say, but that's a fair answer. My answer is not going to be Eurovision, but I'm going to base this on the the dark glasses and the keyboard. So I'm going to say he was listening to Stevie Wonder. It's all about the cool sunglasses emoji and the keyboard emoji. It's Stevie Wonder with the song Boogie on Reggae Woman. Or at least that's what it said. I don't know if that's a real song. I've never heard of it. I mean, James, well done. And on no other podcast would you hear Sunstroke Project and Stevie Wonder mentioned <laughs> in the same breath. Who'd have thought it? Although, um, do you know what? I think we've overlooked the fact that I've utilised some brain power in here and put it to some good use and actually came up with a well thought through answer. Points all right. Ra- not points all around. Just points to me. You have. It's it's bad news for the one second song later because presumably that's every bit of brain power you've got for the next couple of weeks used up in in that one answer. But well done. Uh, let's go back to Sam then. Let's see if I can get a point back. Here's question number two. Question number two. Sam mail is an unofficial national dish of Romania according to National Geographic. It's a roll stuffed with spiced minced pork and beef. But what is its main ingredient? Now then. What is the main ingredient in there when he's already named two pretty crucial ingredients in there already? The bread and the meat. So I can't imagine there's going to be any other crucial ingredients in there. Regardless of what this ingredient is, this is not a food that you want to eat on a first date, is it? Because in my head, this is going all over the shop when you try and get your gnashes around this. That's grease dripping down your arm. You're not going to be concentrating properly. You're going to have to get the napkins out. That's before you even get started. Oh, honestly. And is it necessary for two different types of meat mints? Seems very extravagant. Uh, you went first on the on the first one, so I'll go first on this one. I'm going to say the main ingredient is chicken. I'm going to say it's a trio of meats. They just go the whole hog, if you pardon the pun. <laughs> the, the whole squawk, yeah. as the case may be. <laughs> that really is a, a meat feast of a roll, isn't it, if, uh, if you're correct? I'm going to say, and only because, again, like, it doesn't really make much sense. By the sounds of it, you've got plenty in there already. I'm going to say the main ingredient in that roll, which would just make it even messier, is a poached egg. Sarmail or Somali or whatever it's called. Well, that's uh, a rather unappealing cabbage roll. Mm. Cabbage, eh? I mean, we've done the the Romanians a disservice there because I think we both thought that it was going to be a very unhealthy roll, but they've got a bit of veg in there. Again, I stand by what I said earlier. You wouldn't want to eat it on a date. Because it does smell as well. Cabbage smells of old people, doesn't it? I don't want that to be a, don't want that to be a, a sweeping generalisation. But you've got the combination of the cabbage, you've got the grease from the roll down your arm. You're not getting a second date after that, are you? And finally, if you search for why is Bucharest on Google, a handful of recommended searches come up. What are the top three? Any one of them will get you the point. Okay, so basically what we've got here is is the Google game. 
for, for one question and one question only. The answer here could be absolutely anything. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and base my answer on geography, which you may think is a risk, having never been to Bratislava myself. But it is something that I often ask about a place when I'm feeling a little tired, having sort of traipsed around a new destination for the first time. So I'm going to say that the answer is, why is Bucharest so hilly? You just mentioned Bratislava. I, I must admit, yeah. as I usually do, I'm not listening to you with 100% concentration, but you do realise Bratislava is not in Romania. I do realise that Bratislava is not indeed Bucharest. I have been to Bratislava, mm. I'm pleased you've asked. Um, but uh, that, is, that, that was me misspeaking. I apologise. Um, so the people in Bucharest weren't Googling, why is Bratislava so hilly? Because that would be very unhelpful for them, I imagine. Never mind. We'll leave that embarrassment to one side. We'll bring it up every now and again, just to remind you of that embarrassment for yourself. But... My answer, I'm not going to stick with the same as you, I just think it's a cop-out. So, why is Bucharest Airport so quiet? Could be. <laughs> Honestly, mate, I've got no idea. Sam, what's the answer to this? You could have had, why is Bucharest the capital of Romania? Why is Bucharest called Little Paris? Or finally, why is Bucharest so ugly? I think me and you were, were being kind to Bucharest there. Having not been, I don't think you should judge a book by its cover, but apparently a lot of people are. So none of, uh, well, neither, I should say, of our suggestions uh, in, in that list. Although what we didn't find out there is, why is Bucharest Airport so quiet? Rob, do you know the answer? Is it because so few people are flying to Bucharest because it is apparently so ugly? <laughs> I think they're all flying to Bratislava instead by mistake. If I was in charge of the tours, probably. <laughs> but well done. That's, a, that's a, a point for you and a win. This is the Euro Trip. Before we get back to the podcast, let me just tell you about this week's sponsor. If you're looking for support with your profile on social media, look no further than Emily's Social Media Services. Whether you need somebody to manage your Twitter account, or perhaps you want to reach more people on Instagram, or even want a brand new logo designed to stand out from the crowd, Emily's Social Media Services will be right for you. Emily is qualified in social media management and has been working in the digital marketing industry for the past three years. We've worked with Emily recently and she has really helped us with our presence online. So if you need support with your profiles online, search for Emily's Social Media Services on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get back to the show. So this is the Euro Trip. Thank you again for listening to us every single week. And if you are a new listener, welcome. There are plenty of previous episodes for you to listen to. 17 previous episodes, in fact, which means there are plenty of big interviews for you to listen to. We've spoken to some huge guests on the podcast so far. Dave Benson, winner of Eurovision in 2001. We've spoken to Iveta Makuchian, Andreas Mamantovas from LT United. That's just to name a few. Fair play to, for picking some of the most difficult names there as well. I'd have gone for some of the easier ones, you know what I mean? I'd have gone for Nicky French, Rambo Amadeus, James Fox. Those are easy ones, Rob, so fair, fair play for picking some of the difficult ones. But you get the point. There are plenty of great interviews, great podcasts for you to listen to, 17 uh, other episodes, so please do go back and listen to them. But not until you've finished this one, because we are halfway through the episode... And we are about to hear part two, James, of your chat with the Danish entry from Eurovision 2018, Mr. Rasmussen. That's absolutely right. So you heard the first part a little bit earlier on where he was setting the scene, telling us how he got involved in his journey to Lisbon in 2018. But in this part, you're going to hear stories from Lisbon itself, what it's like to perform on the stage, uh, what his plans are for the very near future as well. But I started this part by asking him what his nerves were like before his performance on the big Eurovision stage. Of course you're nervous because it's, as you say, such a big scale and there are, you feel like there are one million people working right there just for you. So of course uh, you're nervous, but um, but also uh, working as a professional, uh, you know that you just have to get the things done. 
and do your job. So when me and the guys went on stage, it was like, you know, we have these 10, 15 minutes. I can't remember how long uh, we actually had on the re on the rehearsals. Uh, and also afterwards, when there's only three minutes and you have these minutes to perform. And of course, there are nerves. And of course, you're going to not be totally 100% happy with what you do because it's such an extremely... Uh, extreme um, situation also knowing that 100 million people who are watching you are how many uh, you know uh, so but but you do your job and actually on stage it felt very much like the Danish uh, Grand Prix because we have we had the same props with us so the um, so the kind of uh, points where we stood and stuff like that was pretty much how we did in the Danish Grand Prix so it felt like home Tell us about uh, the staging for for higher ground because it was a it was quite a typical Viking look. It seemed you know to the outside view it just seemed very Danish. Was that a you know was that a <laughs> conscious decision to sort of do that to try and sell it a bit more? Of course, yeah. Um, we um, I don't know if it's yeah actually you're, you're not, uh, maybe not the first but saying that it's typically Danish. Um, uh, but uh, but we definitely went for for uh, connecting the song, uh, the, uh, the audio uh, with the visuals. We have this. You can't. You can't hide from this. Uh, that it's a very epic and dramatic song, um, and it ne needs some dramatic staging. Uh, and so, I, I, was very clear uh, when I, when we we did the staging that I did. I was not looking out for. Um, no, I was not interested in in, in you know ships and uh, Viking helmets and swords and stuff like that on stage. Um, uh, you know, actual ships, not just the flags we had. Mm. That was uh, perfect uh, for for this uh, this staging. Um, but I didn't want to make it cliche, so we, it, it's totally on purpose that it, that we made this very uh, you know um, mashup between Vikings, Game of Thrones, and Pirates of the Caribbean. So it's not like you know very stereotypical one thing. Tell us about the um, about the other the other performers you had on stage with you because I appreciate you were a solo artist but you obviously had those guys on stage with you and it was kind of like a like a band of brothers wasn't it was um, yeah. did you have a good relationship with those guys did was it did it feel more like a collective journey rather than just yourself? Actually, it's funny you mentioned it because now um, isn't there something about somebody um, at the EBU uh, or somebody suggesting the rules? rules changing about uh, not having to have uh, all the singing live yeah so next year they're changing the rules so that you can have um, backing vocals on the track okay more than so live. they are so they yes. are uh, applied okay yeah well I, I, I wrote that to a comment uh, I remember uh, that it wouldn't have been the same uh, experience without uh, without my guys there because we got to know each other very well and uh, and they are also uh, such great people, and um, and it was just extremely important for me to share this with someone. But it wouldn't have been the same without the guys. So, um, so I'm afraid that some countries want to save money next year and and decide not to bring bring uh, backup for uh, for the solo artists. Um, but you know, yeah. If 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 they do, if they want that, then it's their choice. I, I it wouldn't have been the same for me. I think one of the times you probably would have really been able to enjoy the experience of doing it together is, of course, when the results came in. And after all the points had come through, it was a ninth place overall for you. It was a top 10 finish. You yeah. must have been happy with that. Extremely. We had this secret goal from from home <laughs> that that a, a top 10. But, you know, it was like, man, that would be crazy because... We 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 always knew that it was kind of like love it or hate it song, but but um, and the bookies I think was weren't they you know placing us at a fourteen or fifteen or something like that, so it was like yeah let's let's see what happens. Uh, I've 
I really felt a lot of support uh, from every aspect of Europe, not just like, you know, love it in Britain and hate it in Eastern Europe or something like that. All over Europe, we there was uh, support from, from different kinds of people. So just felt the... It was just a good experience, you know. Felt felt the support. So so after the juries, it was like, wow. Uh, maybe maybe it wasn't that. Maybe we 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 got it all wrong with how how we felt the support. But but of course, then after the the, the viewers who actually put us in fifth, it uh, it just made made sense uh, the whole thing. So. Yeah, we were extremely happy for the ninth place, very much. Have you got any ambitions of trying to go to Eurovision again? Maybe not as a performer, but as a songwriter. Do you want to? Do you want to get back involved in that bubble again? Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, if 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 the right song comes along that fits me, then I would love to uh, to be a, be an artist again at Eurovision. But also, if if I write a, a song that fits somebody very well or writes a song together with someone else that um, that could go to Eurovision uh, then definitely it uh, it would just be a new adventure uh, and because I had such a great experience the last time why wouldn't I do it again absolutely I think we'd all I think we'd all love to see to see you back in some shape or form um, back at the Eurovision Song Contest or at oh, least at the, at the national final. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, let me ask this question. It's a question we ask all of our guests here on the Eurotrip. Th- take as much time as you want, because it, some people might think you've been put on the spot a little bit. Um, but <laughs> the question uh, I guess a lot of people are asked is, what is your favorite Eurovision song of all time? But we don't ask that necessarily. What we like to ask is, what is your second favorite song from the Eurovision Song Contest? Your number two. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, it, it could differ from, from week to week. Actually, I honestly I love the song, uh, the Danish uh, song "Dansevisa," uh, who won back in '63 or something like that. Yeah, I think so. It's very or early. Or '64 or something. Yeah, exactly. It's such a beautiful composition, and I also uh, we sang it in Lisbon, uh, also. But um, but uh, but of course, a song like uh, uh, like Arcade is a very uh, it's, a, it's a great song too. So there it is. That was our big interview this week with Rasmussen and so many fantastic little gems in there. Stuff about what it was like to be in Lisbon, but most importantly in there, I thought it was nice to hear that he still got a massive love for the contest. And if the right song comes along, we may well see him back. That would be very, very exciting, wouldn't it, Rob? This is the thing that has surprised me about pretty much everyone that we've spoken to on this podcast so far. They all want to go back to Eurovision, regardless of how they did. I mean, Rasmussen himself, of course, he did very well. He finished in the top 10 in Lisbon. But he, he's up for risking all that again and, and going back to Eurovision if, as you say, the right song comes along. That's right. When we first started this podcast and we started to speak to some of these big names, I just thought a lot of them would have been like, yeah, I've done it. I've been there. That's that's it for me. I'm going to move on and do other stuff. But there's so many of them who, who are interested in going back. And Rasmussen would be at the top of my list. If I could invite somebody else back, he would be he'd be right up there at the top but a big thanks to him again for joining us on this week's episode of the podcast it was uh, it was fantastic to hear from him but we're almost at the end of the show and you know what that means it's time again for the one second song that's right it is my turn to put you under the spotlight and put you under pressure at the end of this week's episode it is time for the one second song i mentioned it earlier on when i was talking to anthony but just a reminder for brand new listeners there are four points on offer here as james this week tries to guess the eurovision song from the very first second he is after or rather i am after the song title the artist the year and the country anthony earlier on was sounding pretty pretty confident but James for you for the first time and for the listeners at home for the second is this week's one second song it's uh it's some drums is that a point is it name the instrument I'm going to say a drum kit I don't think we're doing name the instrument unfortunately (sighs) this is tricky this is tricky do you want it again do you want it one more time yeah let's have it once more 
I think you're going to be pleased to hear, Rob, that we're going to have to go for another James classic of makeup, the song title and the artist again, because I am nowhere near the answer on this one. Honestly, I can't even pinpoint that. Not at all. Now, we are delighted to hear that either, well, maybe the one time onlys or Magic Touch will be returning for another single on the one second song, or maybe a third act this week. Let's do a third act. Let's do a different one. So uh, you sort of gave a bit of a hint earlier on to me and you said it's not within my knowledgeable time frame. So it's definitely before 2010. So I'm going to go for 2003. I'm going to say it was Cyprus. Potentially some points there. Uh, For the artist, I'm going to say it was the well-known trio Double Up. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm going to say that song we just heard was Feather Down My Spine. <laughs> you honestly have a career ahead of you coming up with band names and song titles because every everyone is fantastic. Unfortunately, James, you'll be unsurprised to hear you got no points. I've not even got a point for Feather Down My Spine. Not even a point for Feather Down My Spine, which if it was a Eurovision song, I'm pretty sure we'd remember it with a title like that. There is a link to this week's Eurovision news with the one second song this week, because it has, of course, been and is still currently a very big week in Sweden. The Melfest artists are being announced this week. We had some yesterday. We've had some today. We will have some more on Thursday. So therefore, this week's One Second Song comes from Sweden. The year is 2007. The artist is the band The Ark. And the song title, The Worrying Kind. Now, could you imagine in 2021 if Sweden ends up sending a song like that to Eurovision? That it just wouldn't happen nowadays, would it? It wouldn't. No, it was it was a fun song, wasn't it? It was a bit of David Bowie in that song. I think the the band themselves said they took inspiration from him, but it was yeah, very different from anything Sweden have ever ever sent before. It finished, unfortunately, 18th in the grand final in Helsinki in 2007. But they did very well. And there are two other well-known Swedish artists that the art beat in the final of Melody Festival in that year. Oh, go on. Also in the final of Melody Festival in 2007 were Sana Nielsen singing, and I'll give you the English translation because my Swedish is not up to scratch, If You Dare, I Dare, and also future Eurovision winner on his first appearance at Melody Festivalen, Mons Zermelau with Karamia. Well, 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 there you have it. Do you fancy giving us an update about how Anthony got on with the one second song? I will tell you, and I was keeping this from you because I didn't want to upset you, but he did get four points. He got them all. So well done to Anthony Granger, and if you at home also got four points, congratulations to you. Yeah, congratulations to you. You did better than me. That's always a positive. That's always a win. Uh, But we've now reached the end of this week's podcast. Well, I say this week's, this week's first podcast, because let me remind you, it is the announcement week for Melody Festival in 2021. Uh, So we're going to bring you a bonus podcast on Friday. Uh, We're going to have some big names who are going to join us to debrief and uh, review all of the names that are going to be taking part in Melfest 2021. So make sure you stay tuned on Friday for a brand new episode. Yes, absolutely. Very, very excited for Friday. So all you Melfest fans out there, 
make sure you are here. The podcast will appear in the same feed as this one that you're listening to, so you don't need to go anywhere. And we will announce who is having a bit of a chat with us over on Twitter a little bit later on in the week, so at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter. But don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, and please, if you've enjoyed yourself, write us five star. But from me, for the first time, as James has said this week, I will say goodbye. And from me, for the first time this week, it's a goodbye. Having never been, I'm going to go out on a limb here. (laughs) (laughs) That was just... That was honestly that ne- us needed to escape for ages. Oh God! <laughs> Apologies. Wow. For the love of God, don't put that in the podcast. Ah, oh, that will make me sound repulsive. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.